Welcome back to WWC. I'm your host, Will Wright. Today we're going to be looking at the question, is it possible to harmonize faith and reason? Or are faith and reason doomed to be in contradiction or in tension until the end? It certainly seems that in history there's been some great tension between certain scientific figures and the church. Uh, but I hope to show today that ultimately faith and reason not only can be harmonized, but really they, they must be harmonized. So that's what we'll be looking at on today's episode. If you do enjoy this episode, I ask that you please go to willwritecatholic.substack.com to subscribe. And if you already have subscribed, welcome back. It's wonderful to have you. All right, let's get to it. Materialist atheists view the world as being composed of matter, its movements and modifications, and really nothing else. On the other hand, religious fundamentalists and literalists see the world in a monochromatic view based entirely on the biblical text. So, for example, seeing Genesis as a literal scientific explanation of the creation of the world, a literal science textbook, if you will. The former seem to embody reason and the latter embody faith, at least to some re respect. However, I hope to show that the materialist atheists are not using the gift of reason well, nor are the biblical fundamentalists understanding the gift of faith. When held clearly, faith and reason are not opposed to one another. In fact, they're incapable of being at odds when properly understood. So I want to begin by looking at a prevalent error in popular society today called scientism. Now, science, rather than scientism, science is an incredibly powerful tool for exploring the world around us. In many ways, it's the tool for discovery given the most credibility by intellectuals in the modern world. And this credibility is sometimes so strong that we're led to a sort of scientism in which science is the only tool for discovery worth utilizing, the only one which is really trustworthy. Well, where did this notion come from? Philosophically, there's, there's two prevailing theories which have taken over much of academia. The first is called naturalism, and the second is materialism. So naturalism is the philosophical belief that everything arises from natural properties and causes. And supernatural or spiritual explanations are to be excluded or discounted entirely. There's an even harder stance of naturalism called materialism. And materialism holds to the doctrine that, that nothing exists except matter and its movements and modifications. So in either case, the material and natural are all that's accounted for, and the supernatural is disregarded at best and rejected at worst. Now, naturalism and materialism lead to the error of scientism, which hopefully we'll see very quickly is self-refuting. Put basically, scientism suggests that the only things of which we can be certain are those things which are subjected to the scientific method. Now, the crippling problem with scientism is that the scientific method cannot be applied to the scientific method. So therefore, this, this worldview begins with an unverifiable premise, namely that everything has to be subjected to the scientific method, when in fact this own theory, this own view, cannot have the scientific method applied to it. So it's self-refuting in this way. Now again, science is an incredibly powerful tool 
for exploring the world around us and learning more about the composition, movement, and modification of matter. So though science is unable uh, to answer other important questions, so science could never answer what created the universe. Why is there something rather than nothing? What is the nature of being itself? What's, what's personhood? All of these questions require different tools of discovery than science. So beyond science, what tools of discovery are at our disposal? So first we can begin with philosophy. Modern philosophy is remarkably convoluted and it's rife with scientism, unbiased or unbased skepticism, uh, and other rational landmines. But the long patrimony of philosophy allows us to ask questions like, what is the nature of being? That, that field of study is metaphysics. Or how do we come to know things? This would be epistemology. And what makes a thing good, virtuous or valuable? That's axiology. And how do we know that conclusions follow from certain premises, which would be logic? Now these are they're fundamentally different questions than science could ever ask or answer. But how many of us would truly argue that these questions are unimportant? These are some of the most important questions when we start thinking about, well, thinking about wisdom itself. Philosophia, this idea of love, of wisdom. So, so far, all of these questions, while different from science and along with science, would fall under what we could call the broader category of human reason. Now, the study of God and the study of the things of God is called theology. And as long as there have been human beings asking questions of consequence, there have been questions and statements of a theological nature. It's only recently in human history that naturalist and materialist sentiments have disregarded or rejected the supernatural. So when thinking of how we could apply the tool of discovery of theology, uh, I'm reminded of uh, the words of Gladriel in, uh, to Frodo in Tolkien's Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, she says this, she says, may it be a light to you in dark places when all other lights go out. And in a lot of ways, this is how I feel about theology. In the Catholic patrimony, the realm of theology arises from what God has revealed, what he has shown a light on about himself through sacred scripture and sacred tradition. But it also includes what would be called natural philosophy. Many of, classical, many of the classic arguments for the existence of God come not immediately from St. Augustine or St. Thomas Aquinas, but from Plato and Aristotle. More needed to be revealed, of course, to arrive at the truths expounded by Christianity, but Plato and Aristotle were able to apply human reason so keenly that they arrived at faith in God, at least God as they understood him, as the first cause, as the, the prime mover, as the, as the necessary being. So these various tools of discovery, are they actually compatible with one another? Ultimately, are faith and reason compatible? Well, St. John Paul II put it this way. He said in Fides et Ratio, paragraph one, he says, faith and reason are like two wings on which the human spirit arises to the contemplation of truth. And God has placed in the human heart a desire to know the truth, in a word, to know himself, so that by knowing and loving God, men and women may also come to the fullness of truth about themselves. Faith and reason are therefore 
both gifts that God has given to the human person to rise to the contemplation of himself, who is truth itself, as well as truth about ourselves. So faith and reason are more than merely compatible. They're, they're complementary. St. Thomas Aquinas rightly says that the light of reason and the light of faith both come from God. Therefore, there can be no contradiction between them. We need faith because without it, we would be lost and without direction. We would, we would lack the light when all other lights go out. But we also need reason because without it, we would be lost to our emotions and blind whims and perhaps even fall into superstition. So next we want to ask the question, well, okay, fine. So reason and faith are com complementary. They're compatible. But what is reason? What is faith? Let's begin with reason. Reason is the God-given gift of rational thought. Beyond mere reaction, we can come to the knowledge of things, events, and persons through thought and observation. Like faith, the second wing of the human spirit leads us to know in order that we might act. We know and we love. We believe and we act. Unless we think that reason is somehow more rigorous than faith, um, we must reject the notion that the only tool of reason is science. And science is an incredibly powerful tool to investigate in the material world, as we talked about. But what exists and how does it exist? These are the questions that science can answer. Science, however, can never answer those questions like, why do we exist at all? For these questions, we might use the tool of philosophy, which, of course, is underneath reason. Reason also prepares the way of faith. St. Clement of Alexandria said a long time ago that philosophy is, quote, a stepping stone to faith. At the same time, we must learn, as Pope Benedict XVI taught, that human reason alone is weak. It needs faith to elevate it. God's grace builds upon our nature. So what is faith? Well, faith means to trust in God. Faith is belief. Uh, it's, it's more than that, but what we're talking about here, faith is belief. What we believe contained in the creeds of the church, for example, could be referred to as the faith, capital F. The entirety of the Catholic religion, likewise, would be called, properly speaking, the faith, capital F, faith. Faith is not believing in something irrationally. Right? There's, there's a great amount of evidence for God and the truths of the claims of Christianity, if we're open to it. The Gospels, for example, are historically reliable. They're not historical like a videotape of something. Uh, they're interpreted history, uh, as Pope Benedict would put it. But it, nonetheless, they are historical. They are speaking of true events. The resurrection of Jesus is well attested. In the last 2,000 years, establish how well-founded the faith of the Christian religion is. The Catholic Church is the Church of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God. God exists. On these three levels of God, Christ, and the Church, we have faith. And the tenets of faith lead us to assent in belief to God and to trust him. And this more intellectual way of coming to know God frees our will towards love of him. And of course, this requires trusting the church, trusting the saints and holy writers of the past, trusting in the testament of tradition, written and orally handed down to us. And in this way, we're trusting that what we ourselves have not seen personally, but it's certainly rational to trust such firm witnesses. 
As St. John Paul II put it, men and women can accomplish no more important act in their lives than the act of faith. It is here that freedom reaches the certainty of truth and chooses to live in that truth. So again, there's nothing irrational about faith. In fact, if faith is irrational, then it's worthless. Right? Our faith needs to be on the sure foundation of Jesus Christ and the witness of him in the church. It's also important, important to remember that truth is true regardless of our feelings. And this is certainly a difficulty in today's world. But certain things exist in a certain way, and our feelings on the matter don't change reality. There's certain things which are always true, always and in all places. We might refer to these as principles. And the application of these principles can be many and varied, but the principles themselves don't change. When the church teaches on a matter which pertains to faith and morals, the teachings can develop, but they will never change. And these truths point to the nature of God, of man, and of the created order. In all of these principles and applications, the truth doesn't change. However, they're discovered by means of either faith or reason. Because both faith and reason are at the service of truth, they can't contradict. So if we believe that something is an error, then either our reason is faulty or our understanding of a teaching of the faith is faulty. We are the problem, right? Not, not the object of reason, not the object of faith, because true is true. Reason can show that God exists and lays a foundation that makes faith credible, which that word credible in English literally means believable. It comes from credo credere uh, in Latin, to believe. Therefore, reason is a common ground between believers and non-believers alike, because faith without reason is merely myth or superstition. And without reason, faith is only feelings and experience. So if this happens, then universality of truth is lost. The unity of truth is lost. So how do we know when we're in error? How do we know when we have a faulty understanding? Could the Holy Spirit point us in a direction which seems like a logically poor decision or lead us into error? The answer is no, right? The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Holy Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God, and God never wants to deceive us. If we have a strong indication that God is leading us in a certain direction, we need to figure out why we think that. And if we feel that logic dictates a different path, we have to figure out why we think that. In other words, are we cooperating with the gifts of faith and reason properly? Investigating human reason, we look at arguments to ensure that they're valid. Does the conclusion necessarily follow from the premises? If the argument is sound, then the conclusion will be valid if the premises are true. So it's possible that we have an improper understanding of something. And this can affect us greatly because sometimes we might think that something is logical, but our arguments are bad or our premises are wrong. And this can happen very easily. We are very easily tricked. But investigating our understanding of the faith, we must think with the mind of the church. What does the church teach on faith and morals? And, and really try to understand those principles more than just at a face value, but really what does this principle mean and then how can I, I apply it to my life? We have to form our conscience well and learn as much as we can about church teaching. Ideally, when we're investigating or discovering whether it's with reason or faith, we also want to make sure we're aiming correctly. 
and we should be aiming at the truth. As Pope Benedict XVI puts it in a general audience from 2012 in November, he says, in the irresistible desire for truth, only a harmonious relationship between faith and reason is the right road that leads to God and to the person's complete fulfillment. He also thought there was what he calls a fertile connection between understanding and believing. Even in the field of theology, which studies the things of God and God himself, this is classically defined as fides quarans intellectum, or faith-seeking understanding. So there is this fertile connection between understanding and believing, between knowledge and love. So what then should we do when inevitably we come across supposed contradictions? We have to first remember that God is not trying to deceive us. He's never trying to trick us. If we come up against a supposed contradiction where reason seems to be saying one thing and the faith is saying another, then necessarily our understanding is wrong as it regards either reason or faith. So we must diligently investigate our premises and data points. We have to pray, ask for guidance, or research the answer from someone who has wisdom and insight. And what we can't do is act in a way uh, which seems truly illogical. We can't act against something we feel convicted by the Holy Spirit to do or not to do. And in all of these things, we need to live in the truth and with love. God has given us the gifts of reason and faith to come to knowledge, love, and service of him and of those placed around us. We must never lose sight of why we have these various tools of discovery. It is all about love of God and neighbor and understanding ourselves even better. When we study science, we should do so out of a sense of wonder and awe at God's creation and at his majesty. And any application of what we learn should be at the service of the common good of humanity. Likewise, when we use tools of the philosophy and theology, we must bear in mind that these are tools of discovery, not of innovation. The truth belongs to Jesus Christ. He alone is the way, the truth, and the life. Our job is not to hijack reason or faith, but to harmonize the two wings and let God's grace draw our souls ever upward into his own blessed life. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. If you, if you have gotten something out of this, if this has been meaningful to you in any way, I ask that you please uh, share it with your friends and family on social media or over email or text. If you're listening to this on iTunes or Spotify, please uh, consider rating the podcast and leaving a review. That helps it be seen by more people. And also pray for this endeavor. Uh, pray for me as, as I write these articles that they would be meaningful to people, that they would inspire them, that they would challenge them where they need to be challenged, and that we might all grow closer to our blessed Lord. And so I invite you as we close to, to end in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, now and ever and forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.